Welcome to All Cats Are Gray in the Dark. I'm your host, April Simmons. This podcast contains true cases of graphic violent crimes and other stories of a dark nature. Please be advised that due to the subject matter and violent, sometimes sexual content and obscene language, this podcast is not for children or the faint of heart. And we're back for part two of the Sabrina hosting extravaganza about poltergeists. Yet again, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Is good. Yep, yep. So, uh, this episode is about the infield poltergeist. I can't... You gotta keep up the accent if you're gonna do it. (laughs) This episode is inspired by the infield poltergeist, which inspired The Conjuring 2. Which I love the Conjuring series. Yeah, I haven't actually seen this one. So coming across it, it took a while to realize it was actually what Conjuring 2 was based on. So uh, so this one is, uh, you know, just, yeah, the story <laughs> of the Enfield Poltergeist. This is why I don't host. I'm sorry, guys. I'll get better <laughs> one day. All right. Don't worry. I'm going to make her host again for the holidays, too. She'll be off school. Yeah, I'll be off school for forever as of December 10th, and I'm very excited. Our mom's birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Not really. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, th- so this kind of just reads really oddly, so I apologize, but it was like the most interesting variation of this story that I could find. So let's yeah. get going. I'll try not to do voices, but that's not true. the rasping male voice sent a chill through the room hauntingly it delivered a message from beyond the grave describing in graphic detail the moment of death i'm already doing voices i'm sorry or exaggerating my own just before i died i went blind and then i had an emerge and i fell asleep and i died in the chair in the corner downstairs the eerie voice which can still be heard on audio tapes today is purportedly that of bill wilkins the recording was made in enfield north london in the 70s several years after his death most horrifying of all however was that the voice was coming from the body of an 11 year old girl janet hodgson she appeared to be possessed it could have been a scene from this film the exorcist but it was real what was going on this was the case of the Enfield poltergeist, which held the nation spellbound 30 years ago, puzzling policemen, psychics, experts in the occult, and hardened reporters alike. It involved levitation, furniture being moved through the air, and flying objects swirling toward witnesses. There were cold breezes, physical assaults, graffiti, water appearing on the floor, and even claims of matches spontaneously bursting into flame. A policewoman even signed an affidavit that she had seen a chair move. There were more than 30 witnesses to the strange incidents. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know, like I said, I haven't seen Conjuring 2. I just assumed by what I had seen of it, that it was just a possession case. I didn't realize it was also a poltergeist. So Mm -hmm. it's double time making it extra scary. 
Well, I mean, a lot of cases in exorcism cases. True. Stuff have poltergeists. Yeah. Yeah, but a lot of times it's just not considered both. Yeah. Yeah. Most inexplicably, sorry, I'm eating a piece of candy, so my voice is going to sound weird, probably. (laughs) The young girl at the center of the event seemingly acted as a mouthpiece for Bill Wilkins, a foul mouthed, grumpy old man who had died in the house many years before, which, I mean, Haunted or possessed kids are scary anyway, but the fact that it's a grumpy old man that cusses, like, I mean... Yeah, just adding that extra sprinkle of goodness on top. His son contacted investigators to confirm the details of his story. The events unfolded for more than a year behind the door of an ordinary-looking semi-detached council house on a suburban street filled with similar houses and and left those they touched permanently scarred. Naturally, many question whether it was all a hoax, but no explanation other than the paranormal has ever been convincingly put forward. Well, I mean, if that's what you're looking for. but um, Yeah, that's what you're going to get. Yeah. Now the episode is to be revisited in a film planned for release at Halloween next year. I'm assuming that's the when Conjuring came out. Probably. So this was before that. Just what happened in Enfield then all those years ago? Where are the Hodgsons now and have they escaped their ghosts? Could they have made the whole episode up? And Lou, who lives at 284 Green Street now? The story as the Hodgson family told it begins in 1977. Peggy Hodgson Hodgson was unusual at the time in that she was a single mother to four children. Margaret, 12, Janet, 11, Johnny, 10, and Billy, 7. That's a whole lot of adolescence there. Yeah. Um, Just just channeling just like a giant spotlight to this house look at all these kids Mm. having split from their father it was the evening of august 30th 1977 so that's not long after i was born it was your fault no like (laughs) elvis's death like according Mm -hmm. to my dad i killed elvis and mrs hodgson was keen to get her children into bed she heard Janet complaining from upstairs that her, her and her brother's beds were wobbling. No, thanks. Yeah, I know, right. Don't mess with Hodgson, my sleep, man. Mrs. Hodgson told her daughter to stop mucking around. The following evening, however, was an altogether more bizarre disturbance. Mrs. Hodgson heard a crash from upstairs. Cross, she went to tell her children to settle down. Your turn. Yeah, sorry. Entering their bedroom with Janet's Starsky and Hutch posters on the wall, Miss Hodgson saw the chest of drawers move. She pushed it back, but found that it was being propelled towards the door by an invisible force. It seemed as if some supernatural presence was trying to trap the family in the room with the heavy oak chest. Many years later, Janet would tell a Channel 4 documentary, It started in a back bedroom, the chest of drawers moved, and you could hear shuffling. Mom said, I want you to pack it in. We told her what was going on, and she came to see it for herself. She saw the chest of drawers moving. When she tried to push it back, she couldn't. Janet's sister, Margaret, explained how the activity increased. There were strange little noises in the house. She couldn't make out what was going on. None of us got slipped. (laughs) I just love how that's phrased. I'm going to start using it. I didn't get slipped. We put on our dressing gowns and slippers and went next door. The family appealed for help from their neighbors, Vic and Peggy Nottingham. Vic, a burly builder, went to investigate. 
He says, I went in there and I couldn't make out these noises. There was a knocking on the wall in the bedroom on the ceiling. I was beginning to get a bit frightened. Margaret adds, he said, I don't know what to do. I've never seen a big man like that look scared. The Hodgson's called the police, who proved to be similarly mystified. WPC Carolyn Heaps saw a chair move. She said at the time, a large armchair moved unassisted four feet across the floor. All right, that's a little different. Like, I don't know, sometimes when you read the descriptions, like, I saw a chair move. Like, I just imagine it being like, (laughs) you know, but like, like a walking chair just moves. Yeah, yeah, that's what you kind of imagine. But four feet across the floor is a little different. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. The explanation, like just picturing the burly builder dude going yeah. in there and be like, I've got this. And then yeah. he runs back out or something like, yeah. Nope. Like out. when we did the haunted houses and it was always like the giant football players that came running, screaming out of there. Left their women behind in the woods. Yep. <laughs> yep. It happened, folks. <laughs> She inspected the chair for hidden wires, but could find no explanation for what she had seen. Eventually, the officers left, telling the family that the incidents were not a police matter, as they couldn't find anyone breaking the law. I mean, they're pointing them touche. They don't know what to do. <laughs> they're like, uh-huh. call Zelda. Yeah, call Zelda Rubenstein. Next, the Hodgsons contacted the press. Daily Mirror for, for blah, blah, blah. I can't talk today, apparently. Photographer Graham Norris, who visited the house, says it was chaos. Things started flying around. People were screaming. Well, that sounds fun. That reminds me of the Rain Man. Did, were you around when I did the Rain Man episode? I don't think so. Maybe. There, I don't remember. There's a guy that caused it to rain in, the, in a house. That sounds familiar, but I think I only listened to it. Yeah, it's a really interesting episode because all kinds of stuff started happening around that dude. Um, And there were police witnesses, so that made it all the more credible. Like, they're like, for real, though, it was raining in their house. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, And other there was other stuff, too. Like, I think there were pans that flew around or something. But then he went to a public place. There was like a an Italian restaurant, like a pizza place or something. And it started raining in there too. Like it. What the heck? Yeah. So it's like, it really would be hard for somebody to hoax from one place to another. Like, yeah. You know, where's the setup time there? You know, like I don't, and he even supposedly made it happen once he went to prison for other stuff. Uh, What the hell? there, There was a very troubled dude. And I really think that it came from inside of him. Because he yeah. had been abused. He had been abused and stuff. And I really think that mental stuff was going on with him. And that's what the cause of it was. Um, I do believe I, I do believe there was paranormal happening. But I believe it was caused by him. You know? Yeah. Because there were just so many witnesses in that case. It's hard not to believe it. Now, where was I? I completely lost my place. Oh, yeah. People were People screaming. were screaming. <laughs> Some of the events were captured on camera, and the images are disturbing. One shows Janet's elfin form apparently being thrown across the room. I don't understand that. Oh, I guess because she was tiny. She's little. She yeah. was little. Okay. I was confused by the wording there. And I was like, who's her elfin form? Um, 
<laughs> and others her face is just I was really I was like when did this story grow an elf okay <laughs> like Toby is a free elf <laughs> um, and others her face is distorted in pain the BBC went to the house but the crew found the metal components in their tape equipment had been twisted and recordings were erased Next, the family sought help from the Society for Psychical Research, which just sounds wrong to me, but I like pronouncing that just sounds weird. It sent investigators Maurice Gross and Guy Lyon Playfair, which is some of the weirdest names ever, guys. Mm -hmm. A poltergeist expert who subsequently subsequently wrote a book, This House is Haunted, about the affair. Hmm. The author, Will Storer, spoke to Gross who has since died when researching his own book, Will Store versus the Supernatural, which also features the case. Gross told him, as soon as I got there, I realized that the case was real because the family was in a bad state. Everybody was in chaos. When I first got there, nothing happened for a while. Then I experienced Lego pieces flying across the room and marbles. And the extraordinary thing was when you picked them up, they were hot. That's some hot marbles and Legos you got there. (laughs) I was standing in the kitchen and a t-shirt leapt off the table and flew into the other side of the room while I was standing by it. The investigators found themselves caught in a maelstrom of apparently psychic activity with every poltergeist trick thrown at them. Sofas levitated, furniture spun around and was flown across the room, and the family would be hurled out of their beds at night. One day, Maurice and a visiting neighbor found one of the children shouting, I can't move, it's holding my leg! They had to wrestle the child from what all involved insisted was the grip of invisible hands. The ongoing knocking was one of the most chilling aspects of the case. It would run down the wall, fading in and out, as it apparently played an unnerving game with the family, who became so scared that they slept in the same room with the light on. I can't say I blame them. That sounds pretty fucked up. Yeah, no joke. Most of the activity, of course, centered on 11-year-old Janet, She went into violent trances, which were awful to behold. On one occasion, the iron fireplace in her bedroom was wrenched from the wall by unseen forces. Family members also claimed to have seen her levitating, floating clean across the room. She told Channel 4, I felt used by a force that nobody understands. I really don't like to think about it too much. I'm not sure the poltergeist was truly evil. It was almost as if it wanted to be part of our family. It didn't want to hurt us. It had died there and wanted to be at rest. And the only way it could communicate was through me and my sister. Some cast doubt on the events, however, two SPR experts caught the children bending spoons themselves and questioned why no one was allowed in the same room as Janet when she was using her gruff voice, apparently that of Bill Wilkins. Indeed, Janet admitted they fabricated some of the occurrences. She told ITV News in 1980, oh yeah, once or twice we faked phenomenon just to see if Mr. Gross or Mr. Playfair would catch us, and they always did. Now age 45, Janet lives in Essex with her husband, a retired milkman. I wasn't very happy to hear about the film. I didn't know anything about it. My dad had just died, and it really upset me to think above all this being raked over again. She describes the poltergeist activity as traumatic. It was an extraordinary case. It was one of the most recognized cases of paranormal activity in the world, but for me it was quite daunting. I think it really left its mark, the activities, the newspaper attention. The different people in and out of the house, it wasn't a normal childhood. Asked how much of the phenomenon at Green Street was fake, she said, I'd say 2%. So. She also admitted 
playing with a Ouija board with her sister just before the activity flared up at the house. Well, there's your own damn fault. <laughs> she said she was unaware that she went into trances until she was shown pictures. I recall being very distressed by the photos when I was a child. I was very upset. I knew when the voices were happening, of course. It felt like something was behind me all of the time. They did all sorts of tests, filling my mouth with water and so on, but the voices still came out. Mm, I like that. She says it was hard. I had a short spell in Maudsley Psychiatric Hospital in London where they stuck electrodes on my head, but the tests proved normal. The levitation was scary because you didn't know where you were going to land. I remember a curtain being wound around my neck. I was screaming. I thought I was going to die. My mom had to use all her strength to rip it away. The man who spoke through me, Bill, seemed angry because we were in his house. The situation had a huge effect on the family. Janet says, I was bullied at school. They called me ghost girl and put crane flies down my back. Ooh, what's that? I don't know what that means. Oh, I don't want to know. It sounds creepy. I'd, I'd dread going home. The front door would be open. There'd be people in and out. You didn't won't know what to expect. And I used to worry a lot about mom. She had a nervous breakdown in the end. I'm not one for living in the past. I want to move on, but it does come to me now and again. I dream about it and then it affects me. I think, why did it happen to us? Her brother was called Freak Boy from the ghost house and people would spit at him in the street. Janet herself was on the front page of the Daily Star with a headline, Possessed by the Devil. She left home at 16 and married young. I lost touch with everything. All the coverage of the case in paranormal books. My mom felt people walked over her at that time. She felt exploited. Yeah, I can kind of get that. Yeah. Shortly after the press attention drifted away, Janet's younger brother, Johnny, died of cancer, aged just 14. That's sad. Janet's mother then developed breast cancer, dying in 2003, and Janet suffered the loss of her own son in his sleep when he was 18. She rejects any suggestion that the whole story was faked in pursuit of fame or money. I didn't want to bring it up again while my mom was alive, but now I want to tell my story. I don't care whether people believe me or not. I went through this and this was true. Asked whether she believed the house is still haunted. She says, years later when mom was alive, there was always a presence there, something watching over you. As long as people don't meddle the way we did with Ouija boards, it is quite settled. It's a lot calmer when I was a child. It is at rest, but will always be there. Janet reports that it was a priest's visit to Green Street that resulted in the incidents quieting down in the autumn of 1978. Although the occurrences did not stop entirely, she says, with her mother continuing to hear noises in the house. Janet says, even my brother, until the day he left that place after mom died, would say, there's still something there. You feel like you're being watched. Janet says she continues to believe in the poltergeist, saying, it lived off me, off my energy. Call me mad if you like. Those events did happen. The poltergeist was with me, and I feel in a sense that he always will be. Who lives at 284 Green Street now? After Peggy Peggy Hodson died, Claire Bennett and her four sons moved into the house. Last week, she said, I didn't see anything, but I felt uncomfortable. There was definitely some kind of presence in, presence in the house. I always felt like someone was looking at me. So her sons would wake in the night hearing people talking downstairs. Claire then found out about the house's history. Suddenly, it all made sense, she said. They moved out after just two months. I'm with her. Um, yeah, how'd she end up there in the first place? How'd you not know? <laughs> probably they didn't advertise it. Yeah, pro- what kind of jerk didn't like put that as a warning? 
Yeah, all right. One of her sons, Shaka, 15, said the night before we moved out, I woke up and saw a man coming into the room. I ran into mom's set room and said, we got to move. And we did the next day. The house is currently occupied by another family who do not wish to be identified. The mother says simply, I've got children. They don't know about it. I don't want to scare them. Though cynics may scoff, the story of the infield portergeist has clearly lost none of its frightening power. Just slow clap there for that lady that like listened to her kids, <laughs> like like we need to move. All right, doing it tomorrow. I saw a man in my room. We got to go. Um, yeah, kudos. I know. In a lot of these stories, you you see the parents are just like, no, oh, there's nothing wrong. Um, but I'm just you know, if Nancy came to me talking about creepy ghosts and stuff, I'd be like, time to move, time to move. <laughs> radioactive time to move <laughs> <laughs> you say that but you shit there yourself so yeah true i don't know like it's one thing seeing things but the amount of stuff that happened here like you know knowing the history behind it and then seeing stuff yourself it's like no i've seen some stuff here and i haven't really talked about it because i don't go seeking that shit out anymore really because other than for stories for the podcast, obviously, but I don't, I don't go seeking out paranormal activity anymore. I've seen stuff out of the corner of my eye here at this house. Um, I know it was an elderly lady that had lived here for years before, and that she must have passed, and it was her family that inherited it. Um, I believe her son or grandson. I think not one hundred percent sure on that because we didn't even meet them when we. Uh, closed on the house like we didn't meet them it was done separately I think I think I can't remember why but in, at, at their request I guess they didn't want to meet us but um so I, I like I feel like there is a presence here but I don't go looking for it you know what I mean like I'm just like mm, I'm good yeah. I like my house I don't want to think about that let's live together in harmony yeah exactly um but no, I, that's the end of that story. But I just, I did want to say something. I don't know if you even know this, but I, I had some blackouts when I was in college, according to my ex-husband. Um, I don't really remember them, but he told me that I would talk about certain traumas and shit and I would just be like blacked out and didn't remember any of it. Hmm. Like, it's almost like I was sleep talking or something. Like, I would be laying down and I would just talk. Um, and I didn't remember. And I don't know why. It's, like, because I don't remember, I'm kind of questioning whether it was him messing with me or not. Because, yeah. like... Gaslighting. Gaslighting, yes. So, I really don't know if that really happened. I guess it could have, because I definitely have enough trauma for that to be a thing. I don't know. Yeah. But... That's what he told me happened. Hmm. And he also told me during one of those incidents that I swung a bat on him. Hmm. I, I don't know yeah. if that happened either. You were possessed. Maybe I was. Probably by our dad. But anyway, yeah. it's called sharing DNA with someone <laughs> who's a monster. Yay. Um, Yay. Yeah. Okay, so I guess we're going to move on to our list. And we already told you guys to go watch Fear Street and Midnight Mass and 
trying to be all that good stuff. Education. We'll just say those again. And, yep. And, mm-hmm. and hi, Bonna. <laughs> Yay. We forgot Bonna last time. Um, we, we don't forget you. It's just sometimes we are like, she's probably sick of hearing her own name by now. Um, yep. <laughs> so we just try right. to, we just try to sprinkle it in, in here and there. Yeah. Um, Make sure you're listening. Yeah. Bonna. Are you listening, Bonna? Yeah. Today's uh, list is phobias. Yeah. I didn't know if you just wanted like phobias that are entertaining, but I just had enough for my own list of my phobias. No, it's so. just literally my own phobias. Okay. Sweet. Good to know we're fucked up together. Yep. It's uh, family. And you went first last time. So number five phobia for me, which I feel like is somewhat stupid. Well, really all of them. But um, thanatophobia. What? And that's the fear of losing loved ones, which we obviously all are afraid of losing loved ones, right? But I, I find myself, I use the word daydreaming. I didn't, look, I didn't look up the names of the official names of them. I, I did because I felt fancy. Okay. Well, now um, I feel really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so fear of losing loved ones. I, I, I say the word daydreaming. That sounds really wrong because it's like I'm daydreaming of my family dying <laughs> but no it's more like that's where my thoughts go sometimes like yeah I got a call from Nancy the other day during school hours like normally we just text during school hours and she called and my immediate fear was like oh my god it's a school shooting oh my god she, you know like like that was the immediate thing and I just had this intense anxiety or like if if Justin's gone for work I start thinking about, oh my God, what if he dies in a car accident? And like it, I think about these things multiple times throughout the day. Like, you know, Nancy is not riding the bus anymore. So I'm like, oh my God, where is she? When is she getting home? Who's taking her? They're all going to die in a fire crash. Or like Nancy, you know, I used to check Nancy every night before she went to bed to make sure she was breathing. Well, now bitch stays up later than I do so I can't do that anymore and so sometimes <laughs> you your daughter a bitch <laughs> yeah because I can't check on her anymore and she's increasing the my this phobia but like there was one night last week where she was sick and she took NyQuil and I was like what if she like passes out and smuffocates and like it's just like a constant way like I'm constantly thinking about if and how my family's gonna die and to the point where it's like and definitely becoming a phobia anyway that was a lot of information so number five for you uh basically the same thing except i just didn't know the fancy word but and i just kind of did it a more general one of being alone i'm always scared that i'm gonna lose them in terrible ways like you said but i'm also scared that people will just be tired of me (laughs) like so i'm scared james will leave me and I'm going to just be alone and everybody's going to die and it just all, all of that stuff wrapped into one thing. So that's yeah a big one on me. I think about that kind of shit all the time. And I have nightmares thanks to our dad all the time of people around me getting shot and murdered yeah, and stabbed and murdered. Stabbed and, yeah. All that stuff. So, yeah. And I worry about it in the daytime too. It's yeah. like you were saying, I think about that kind of stuff. I think part of it's like a defense mechanism. You feel like if I, think out all the worst case scenarios maybe they won't happen yeah um, i'm an over analyzer and purely anxiety driven person as it is so that's i think that's where a lot of that comes from 
Yep. Totally get it. We're fucked up together. Yep. The rest of mine are somewhat normal. Mine are not. (laughs) Number four for me is acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Mm. Which is funny. I don't necessarily not mind being high up. It's what I I don't want to be close to the edge unless something is super sturdy. Like, I don't know how I would ever handle going to the Empire State Building. I think I would be okay. But, like, there's something, like, being at a height, I have to be able to hold something. I can't just freely look over the edge of something. It's that, like, I have, it's like I have, like, vertigo. And I feel dizzy when I'm at heights, which I think is purely, like, acrophobia at that point. But, like, as long as I have something to hold on to. I will be able to handle being at a great height, but like I can't just walk willy nilly up high, if that makes sense. So, yeah. anyway, yeah. four for you. Dementia. Hmm. Um, yeah. I guess because yeah. I already have like some brain fog issues and memory issues. I'm so, so scared of dementia. Like, I feel like I'm already in early stages of dementia now. So it scares me really bad. Like, I'm like, what's going to happen when I can't? Like, it's already so frustrating that some days, like, I'll burn our food and I'll cry about it. You know, so I'm like, if I get to that point, I'm probably going to want to kick it. Just I don't want to live anymore. And that's scary, too. You know, like, because I'm like, if I get to that point where I can't use my brain to do my creative shit, then to me, that's no, there's no point in going on. Yeah. So that's scary to me. Yeah, you're. I get that. Number three. Number three for me is aphidiophobia, which is the fear of snakes. Mm. I've always been afraid of snakes. I don't. I mean, I don't even like looking at them at zoos. I don't like friends that have snakes. Like I don't go into their rooms that they have snakes in. Yeah. Which you know, Justin would love to have a pet snake, and I'm like, (laughs) no. I don't really even like looking at pictures of snakes. The only ones I can handle are the ones where snakes have hats. Yeah. Uh, The like snick, what you do in snick things. Like that's all I can handle. Like, and I don't know what it is. I guess it came from like being younger and like riding my bike and a snake went by and (laughs) just playing a lot outdoors. But just something about snakes and the fact that they don't have arms and legs really freaked me out. Yeah. How do they get up trees? They don't have hands. It's like magnets. How do they work? Snakes. How do they work? I don't like it. Well, All right. Number three for you. More. It feels like all of mine up to this point are all mental health related. And yeah. here's another one. Inner thoughts and voices. Um, mm. I do have them. I mean, I think everybody does to a certain extent, but it scares me because I listen to all these murder podcasts and the dude's like, there was a demon and it would talk to me in my head and it told me to kill that guy. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> like, am I, am I going to be that person one day? Like, it kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. So, but I, cause I do have a darker side to me probably because of dad's DNA yet again. Um, yeah. but just the whole list afraid of being our parents. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. I should have. I just just changed the whole list of that because that's pretty yeah. much the big thing. Afraid of being our parents, especially dad. Um. So yeah, that's mine. Number two for me is 
Lalapsophobia, which is the fear of tornadoes. Damn it, I didn't put tornadoes. What the fuck? <laughs> you just caught I, me off guard with that. I was like, wait. Okay. Yeah, like I'm soup like I'm super crazy anal when it comes to thunderstorms because especially in this area. Uh one of the main reasons I bought the house I'm in is because it has a freaking tornado shelter with a storm shelter. So <laughs> We have a whole plan. We have an emergency kit, a bag that's pre-packed with flashlights and a radio and playing cards. And our storm shelter has a nice table and chairs and animal crates. Like, we are storm preppers for tornadoes because of my fears. Yeah. Number two for you. My Something happening to my teeth. Um, uh, um, mine are I- just already way fucked, so I'm past the point of no return there (laughs) no i guess i'm more afraid of losing some or chipping them or you know like stuff like that because i have weird teeth anyway i have anybody that's seen a real picture of me or as knows me in person um i rarely ever show them to anybody like i don't smile much with my teeth anyway um because it's just a thing that i have about my teeth because i have a large gap in my front teeth and it's natural and I'm when people do see it it gets a reaction usually like I don't know when Sahara's kid Nora was little she was like what happened to the tooth that was in the middle of those teeth and I'm like I was born this way you know but kids of course don't know any better yeah to ask questions like that but that kind of stuff is very upsetting to me and I guess people don't realize it uh it always has been And so I feel like if something happened in my, like, we don't have insurance. We don't have dental insurance. Can't afford to go to a dentist right now. So if my teeth got knocked out, I probably would just not leave my house. I'm dead serious. I'm so weird about that. Like, I would probably cry and stay home. Like, I would not step foot out of the house. Yeah. Probably ever again until I could fucking fix my teeth, honestly. And that's really sad, but it's true. I probably would not. I'm really yeah. paranoid about it to the point where I dream about that a lot too. I dream yeah. about somebody knocking my front teeth out or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, nope. Yeah. My teeth are just bad because I don't take care of them. So I have a lot of that too, but I started even talking to my dentist about fixing some of the problems and they're like, no, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, I don't care. I need them fixed. Anyway. I need to hurry up because I got a movie to go see. Uh, my number one is Jephyrophobia, which is the fear of bridges. My most ridiculous fear on my list. I am afraid of bridges. I do not like them. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I dream about driving off of bridges a lot into water and drowning. Um, it's also combined with the heights, I guess, and all of that. But uh, no thanks. No thanks, bridges. Get out of here. I know your purpose is a good one, but you scare me. <laughs> and number one for me who probably anybody that listens to the show already knows is birds for me which my own niece your daughter has made fun of me for since she was little yeah <laughs> she's like they just go tweet tweet <laughs> she's like two years old she's like they just go tweet tweet why are you scared of birds i'm like I can't explain it. I don't know if something happened to me when I was little or whatever, but I don't have a memory of anything specific. I've just always, I think it's the, I'm a control freak and anything that flies towards me, 
is unpredictable and uncontrollable. And that scares me. That's what scares me because it's bat. I like bats have flown into my vicinity and I ran and screamed like a bitch too. So it's just, it's that, although I don't like larger birds that can't fly either, but I don't know. It's just an unpredictability thing. I I don't like it. They can fly up to me and peck my eye out. So I I just don't like it. That's mine. That's all the end. Yeah. That's all I got. No honorable mentions. I, well, I, after you said tornadoes, I put tornadoes because I've had bad dreams about those my yeah. whole life. I'm scared of everything. That's all. My grandma so. told me it was because I was going to die from tornadoes. Mm-hmm. Our psychic medium grandma's like, you're having tra- tornado dreams because you're going to die from that eventually. Thanks, grandma. Thanks, grandma. I'm going to be paranoid about that the rest of my life. <laughs> and I'm also one of those people that's scared that I have to be dressed whenever a storm comes because if that sucker hits my house, I don't want to be out in some, like the tornado threw me into another state and I'm naked or something, you know? Like, yeah. I don't, or without my glasses or contacts either. I'm so, yeah. I'm so paranoid about that kind of stuff. Anyway. <laughs> All right. That's the end of this episode. So she can go see the new James Bond movie. Bye bye. Tell if it's tell us next time if it's good. Do do bye. Bye. <laughs>